You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? This is Matt Perino here inside. Resurgence Brewery, join in person with my good buddy, Ryan Talbot. we got some folks in the house that came out to support. We appreciate you guys. Um, this is an exciting time. I mean, we've done live shows in, I think, four or five different locations. This has got to be one of the coolest that we've done. It's going to be an interesting thing. So we, we're live, obviously, with you guys at home. We're also live inside the brewery. So I'm going to be passing this mic back and forth. Brian, why don't you tell everybody who we got in store for tonight to preview the Buffalo Bills who kick off training camp here in a couple weeks. Yeah, we have an all-star lineup here tonight. Uh, in addition to Matt and myself, we have John Scott from Spectrum TV. We have Del Reed of 26 Shirts, Josh Reed of WIVB-TV, and we also have from WGR 550, Jeremy White. So we have a huge show in store for everybody. There's a lot to cover. Training camp opens in less than 48 hours, Ryan Talbot. It's it came so quickly. We've been we've been breaking down all these storylines over the last couple of months. You know, the draft happened, Von Miller and free agency. Now we're finally here. We have a clear idea of what this 53-man roster is going to look like. So I figured the best way to start this thing is like we always start. And that's by telling you valuehomecenters.com right now. If you head over there, this show is brought to you by Value. For another couple of weeks, you can shop online there. They'll get everything to you, to your front door. You can shop their awesome website, pick from a store far away. They'll ship it to the store so you can go and pick it up. All right, so let's start with position battles because that's what everybody wants to start with. And I want to get into a couple of different conversations to start. Why don't you kick us off and yeah. we'll kind of move through this thing uh, before we get Jeremy up here. Yeah, so the first topic in terms of position battles is most important, Matt. And for me, it comes down to Kyrie Elam and Dane Jackson. Realistically, that could be cornerback one, cornerback two to start the season, depending on the status of Tredavious White, who suffered a torn ACL in, in late November. That being said, eventually Trey White's going to be coming back. And the question is going to be, who's going to be starting opposite him? Kyrie Elam, who you spent a first-round pick on, or Dane Jackson, who filled in pretty admirably last year when White went down and he was starting opposite Levi Wallace. What do you think about this in terms of most important position battle? So I like that one. That's probably the direction that I would go if I had first pick, but you had first pick. I'm going to go with one that's a little bit off the beaten path, and that's going to be defensive end opposite Von Miller. 
because I think the first thought is, right, Greg Rousseau started all of those games last season. He's just going to slot into that left defensive end spot, right defensive end spot, however that ends up getting figured out. But for me, Bookie Basham is a really interesting name to keep an eye on. Not only Bookie Basham, who's now had a full offseason, came off of a, I don't want to say underwhelming year one, but one where he wasn't really asked to do a ton. And so now he kind of figured things out. He gets to go back to the lab, work on things a little bit more and kind of figure out, all right, who am I going to be in year two? He really took a lot of time to work on his body. And I think he's going to push Greg Rousseau a little bit. But I think who's going to push both of those second-year defensive ends? Shaq Lawson. And this is a guy that, very familiar with the system, with Leslie Frazier, has played on this defense before with Ed Oliver. Um, uh, under Leslie Frazier, different members of this defense, familiar with a lot of those pieces in the back seven. I think it's going to be really interesting. I don't think Greg Rousseau is just going to get handed that starting spot. No, I, I think you make a, a great point. Although Rousseau was a first-round pick one year ago, and he, I thought he had a pretty nice rookie season. They're, they always have people compete. Sean McDermott does not hand out starting jobs just because of when and where you were drafted. So Shaq Lawson, his last season in Buffalo was the best season of his career from a pass rush perspective and obviously as a run stopper. He can do it both both of the, those things pretty well. Obviously, known for his run game and run stopping. Obviously, with Von Miller on the other side, it's going to be interesting. Rousseau, I would like to think, is going to step up and claim that job, but they have a lot of uh, a lot of young players, including AJ Epinesa, who we did not mention. It would be a little bit of a surprise, in my opinion, if he stepped up into that spot, but anything is possible. Um, Resurgence Brewery is... I want you to to go through them. They're, they unveiled a, a couple new beers here today. Why don't you go through them? You're, you're testing yeah. one out right now. Testing both of them out. All right. So we have Circle the Wagons IPA here. They also have a different Circle the Wagons IPA. Very good. Very refreshing. And then Snow Goes On. Uh, you know, almost doesn't even taste like a beer. That's, that's how good it is. They didn't have On the Tea tonight. That's my go-to. But both delicious options for us, man. All right, so we talked about, um, you know, the position battle that arguably could be most important. And, you know, I think it's also important who's going to contribute opposite Von Miller just in general. They talked about the, the defensive line, you know, upgrading it in multiple positions. Well, now it's about execution. It's about getting to the quarterback. And that's why I think I put a little bit more value on that position battle because whoever is opposite Von Miller – He's coming for playing with Bach, with uh, Aaron Donald, okay? He's going to have high expectations for the guys that are rushing the quarterback with him. So I think that's where more for, you know, why I kind of elevated that in terms of how important it can be. Let's move on to the most hotly contested position battle, right? So not necessarily most important, but one where, you know, you look across this roster, there's a lot of starters that you can pretty much write in pen right now. Where are you looking to see, okay, there's two, three guys in the mix that it, it's a it's a tough call. It's maybe a coin flip. Yeah, for me, man, that comes down to the slot receiver position. Uh, and, and I think it's more so two names early on in the season, Jameson Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie. But as the year goes on, Khalil Shakir could also step up and be given an opportunity. All you need is an injury or something to take place for you to get that chance. Jameson Crowder, I'm a big fan of his game. I think he's produced at a pretty high level throughout his career, despite playing with some pretty bad quarterbacks. This is an opportunity for him to have an all-pro type season with Josh Allen. 
coming off of two great years, two seasons where he has been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Isaiah McKenzie, however, you've mentioned it many times on the pod, Matt. What wide receiver has played with Josh Allen the longest? It's McKenzie. So they do have that rapport. We saw what he could do in that New England game last year. I really like that duo in terms of a competition in camp and seeing how it works out. It would not shock me if both of them get opportunities on a week-by-week basis to really step up and contribute. I'm going to be a broken record here, and I I know a lot of our viewers watching at home are going to roll their eyes and say, Perino, get off the Cody Ford train. But I'm really interested in that position battle. I think this is a guy that a lot of people have just been really comfortable with writing off. And we talked about this on the show on Wednesday a little bit. I think he's going to come into camp with every opportunity to earn maybe not a starting role, but an important depth role. We've seen it year after year on the offensive line. The Bills are going to probably lose a guy. And not only does Ford potentially offer you depth on the interior, in a pinch, he can play on the outside too. What happens if Plessenberry and Brown are unavailable at some point during the season? Are you ready to turn things over to Tommy Doyle? Maybe you go back to Cody Ford in that situation and say, hey, we're going to need you to plug in here at right tackle. Maybe he figures it out. He gets comfortable. I don't know what the path to success for him is, but I do think that this is a very important season for him. And I think that there's upside there still. I know that's a hot take and something people don't like to hear, but when it comes to the position battle in camp, I love Ryan Bates. I think what we've seen out of him in a very limited amount of, uh, of NFL experience has been really good. Now it's about can he come in here as the favorite to win the right guard job and live up to that expectation? Because sometimes that expectation can throw you through for a little bit of a loop, especially if a guy like Cody Ford is playing well behind you. Yeah, first and foremost with Ryan Bates. Listen, he was impressive last year when he got into the lineup, but it's a small sample size. We still need to see him over the course of an entire season, over the course of the first half of this year, to really know what we what the team has in him. Now, do the Bills clearly like Ryan Bates, Matt? Absolutely. They wouldn't have gone out and matched that uh, contract that the Bears had offered him if they didn't. That said, Cody Ford, again, something you've mentioned, Aaron Cromer has come out of his way to say, and the Bills have come out of their way to say Brandon Bean specifically. He's healthy. Cody Ford is healthy for the first time in his Bills tenure. He's had an entire offseason to work on his craft, to work on what he needs to. So it, is it a possibility that he competes for a starting job? Yes. Is it a possibility that he steps into a starting role at some point this year? If an injury occurs, I think that's more likely than him winning a job right out of camp. But yeah, Cody Ford, this could end up being that breakout year that I think a lot of Bills fans have been waiting for since he's been drafted. There's going to be a lot of position battles that we're going to kind of go through and be, and be chronicling. And one of the things that I think the, the, the most fun that fans have for training camp is following some of those position battles. But what Brandon Bean did was take a little bit of the fun out of that. But by doing so, you now have a Super Bowl contender if you're the Buffalo Bills. Let me ask, let me throw you a little bit of a curveball here. What do you think is the most important thing that needs to happen this season for the Bills to sustain through? So take it a little bit higher than just training camp. What has to happen for them to actually go on a run and win a Super Bowl? Who's the most important piece to that? Outside of maybe Josh Allen. Or maybe put a little bit of a spin on that. What does Josh Allen specifically have to be to take them there? Well, 
in terms of what Josh Allen needs to be to take them there, I don't, you know, I think that what he's been doing the last two years has been good enough. Think about all the games where he's led the Bills on these comebacks late in the game just for the defense to kind of collapse at the end. And yes, there's been some fluky endings like the Arizona Cardinals game two years ago. Uh, but the 13 seconds obviously lingers with the Kansas City Chiefs game as well. So for, for me, it's not so much what does Josh Allen do. I think he's been playing at a Super Bowl winning type of run for the last two years. It comes down to this defense. It comes down to Leslie Frey. Not playing prevent because prevent prevents you from winning. It's being aggressive, using Von Miller to be that guy in those big situations, like he was in the NFC Championship, like he was against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, and obviously most importantly, like he was in that Super Bowl where you could have made a legit case for him to be the MVP. I don't want to oversell how important Tredavious White is to this defense, but I do think getting him back to close to that all-pro level is going to be vitally important. It starts up front, and they went out and they got Von Miller. I think what they're going to be able to create on the interior with contract year Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips back in the mix, who had nine and a half sacks for them two seasons ago, that's all good. But you have an elite secondary when you have Jordan Poyer and Micah High on back end, and then you have Tremadius White playing as an all caliber caliber quarterback. And then it's going to come down to Kyrie Elam, right? At some point this season, he's going to get put out there. A lot of people really like Dave Jackson, me included. But you don't spend a first-round draft pick and then have him on the bench. He's going to be out there critical times. So I think when the pass rush isn't getting home, because listen, Bob Miller is a really good player. He's 33 years old. On the opposite end of the coin, as much as I've argued for him still being the guy that he was, he's, a, he's an older player. And I think relying on the, some of the younger guys, Greg Russo, Ed Oliver, to carry some of that load, he probably got used to play with Aaron Donald. Listen, when he came here and talked about how difficult the decision was to sign with the Bills, the number one thing that he kept going back to is, how am I walking away from Aaron Donald, the most disruptive force in maybe the history of the NFL? Well, now he's got to ask other guys to be disruptive forces. It won't be the same, but I think that's going to be important for me. Kyrie Elam's got to play really, really good football at some point this season, especially in the playoffs. And they also, they got to get more than just from Von Miller. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Listen, Kyrie Elam's going to be thrown into the fire at some point. And if Trey White comes back and looks like Trey White and that, they're going to be testing Elam as much as possible, opposing quarterbacks, that is. So you raise a great point. But in terms of the defensive line, listen, I think this is the year that Ed Oliver just absolutely breaks out. In addition to adding Von Miller to this defense, you also added some defensive tackles that's going to make life so much easier for Ed Oliver, who, mind you, despite taking on multiple double teams, last year, I thought he had a great season. I thought Dawson Knox and Oliver, both two players that we said had to step up, did. But I think he's going to go to another level when you have Duquan Jones 
teams next to him. A true one technique that can eat up double teams, something that Ed Oliver was being asked to do last year. When you bring in a tennis uh, team settled junior from Washington, someone who forced his way out of the field every week in Washington, despite that entire starting unit being nothing but first round picks. And then obviously Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips, he doesn't just bring the energy to that team and to the fans. He's also productive. He was very productive in Buffalo in this defense, and I expect more of the same. So Von Miller needs some people to step up, and first and foremost, I think it's going to be an hour. Ryan Talbot, I'm going to let you go take a break, drink some of those beers, and I'm going to go to the bullpen, and I'm going to bring in an arm. Thank you very much, sir. Absolutely. If you're watching at home, thank you so much. Uh, let me know how the volume is on there. We'll try to make technical adjustments. Whenever we do these shows on the road, we got to kind of work with the situation. And so, I'm, as you can see, I'm talking into two different microphones. You won't really notice that um, when you're listening, listening to this on the audio only. Jeremy's coming? Okay. So Jeremy White will be right here. I'm, I'm, I'm tipping my hand a little bit. Jeremy White, WGR 550. He's going to join me to talk a little bit more about the Buffalo Bills. Who else have we got over there? We have John Scott, uh, Spectrum Sports, Del Reed, and then my buddy Josh Reed. He'll be here uh, right about 9 o'clock. All right, so let's recap here. Two days from now, the Buffalo Bills report for training camp. The rookies are already there. Veterans are trickling in over the course of the weekend. Uh, right here at Resurgence Brewery right now, a lot is going on over the next three days. This is Bill's Appreciation Weekend. Uh, there's a really cool throne out in the foyer area. It's uh, colored in Zubaz. When you come in, uh, you can check it out. You can sit on it. You can take a picture. You follow them on social media. You will see uh, everybody posting for these pictures. It's a really cool situation. Um, we're going to kind of dial things up here. Let me see if I can get um, our next guest here in a moment. I'm sitting here talking to air. This is not a one-man show, so I'll bring in my wife for a second. Funny thing about um, the podcast, every time, so we're going, to, we're going to Rochester, we've been talking about the fans being back, and one of the most commonly asked questions that I get is, all right, you're coming to Rochester, but is your wife coming? Are you coming? Well, I, your wife works during the week, so I would have to have, like, weekends, if it's, I don't know if we're going to make it out, but your son's birthday is on one of the weekends, so I'm hoping to bring him out. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we make it out. I guess this is a good question, too, and I'm sure I think Scott's around here somewhere. He'll, he'll really appreciate this content. What is the uh, most difficult part of having me as a husband? Be careful what you say. Do you really want me to answer? Yeah, you can, you can answer it. Um, the schedule of a media member's wife is very difficult, especially when you have children. I think that's probably what you said. You're pretty, you're pretty good. You're pretty good partner. Partner, friend. What's the dynamic like with A, being a Bills fan, but having a reporter for a husband who can't really experience that with you? We don't ever really talk about that, no, we actually. Don't talk, we don't talk about it, but I know it's difficult for you because you you hold such a an ethical line of 
making sure that you're very unbiased, and I try to respect that as much as I can. But it's hard for me because I grew up here. I'm a Bills fan, and I love the Bills. It's the most exciting time to be a Bills fan since I can ever remember. And then, of course, we have our almost eight-year-old son who's experiencing this, and he's just learning sports and football, and, and he's so excited, and his friends are so excited. But sometimes it's hard when I want to wear a Bills shirt, and you're like, oh, I don't know if you should wear that when you're with me. <laughs> so that dynamic can be tough, but I understand why. We understand why, and I think you balance that really well for us. So you don't ever get too crazy, but you let us experience it. The only thing that I find the toughest is that I don't get to experience any of the games with you. So that was one perk for me of the pandemic was that you had to watch those games at home. And even though you made me like stay completely silent. <laughs> Working, it was exciting to get to watch some of those exciting moments while you were home because otherwise it's just me and Lucas and he tends to fall asleep like at halftime. So I kind of experienced them alone usually. I just wanted to class up the joint for a minute. I see Jeremy White is ready, so thank you so much, honey. Thank you. All right, let's go to uh, my good buddy Jeremy White, who's uh, deep in conversation over here. Are you ready? Yeah, come on in. What's up, buddy? This one or that one? Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. So you got both of them. Both of them. Yeah, so you got the All both right. of them there. You like that? I do. What's up? Not much. <laughs> but we got to, like, pass this one back or they can't hear us. I see. You see what I'm saying? So, like, I, I, I think I'll just hold this one, and when you're talking, I'll just move it over to you. We're kind of on the fly. Um, watching at home. Jeremy White, WGR 550, Howard and Jeremy show every morning, 6 to 10. Very gracious to come out and hang out for a little bit. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I've been on vacation all week, so I'm very fresh. I uh, took the last week before camp off because it's a little bit of a celebration for us to get to camp. You know, that camp from the last Sabres game to the Bills are finally back. It's over. We're back Monday, back camp. So vacation, rested, and ready for Monday. I'm trying to think two years ago in 2019, I remember doing the show with Howard in Pittsburgh. Were you there too? I would have been. You would have been. It might have been a day or two I missed, but you would have been there. 2019 was the last camp we would have been at. No, you were there. You were there because we were drinking at the Pittsburgh pub. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I've stayed over at camp a couple times, you know. It's good to find the, the media haunts and the place where everybody goes. And if you're there Sunday night, because, you know, I'll be there Sunday night. You're going to be there Sunday? I'll be there Sunday night. Yeah. All right, so it's an early day. So here's the thing. If my son wins, they got travel tournament. That's the last day. You win, you move on. You win, you move on. You play three games. So if they win two games, I will drive back for the championship. I'm not trying to douse any play, but I don't think you're going to win both games. We'll see. We'll right. see when we finish up. I'm playing golf in Rochester Sunday evening. So I uh, finish the round, and then since we're going to be there the next morning, I'm just spending that. Let's start with our camp. It's going to open on Sunday. You get out on the field, on the sideline, finally back. What's the first thing you're looking for, specifically with this team? I'll be honest, I'm probably, I'm going to focus in a lot on newcomers. I'm going to want to see the speed and the movement of James Fowler. 
that's what I'm going to want to do. I want to see that because, you know, think about all the things we already know. We know about Alan and Diggs, and we know about Gabriel Davis. I don't, I've only seen James go down highlights. I've never stood there and watched him move. And you know, to get that real time vision of how speedy he might be, that's number one. The other's going to be, I'm really interested to see how. Von Miller approaches practices. You know, because there are some all-time greats that make sure that they keep energy in the bank. And then there are some that don't know how to do that. That just, no matter what, every rep, he's making everybody better. So, I'll be looking at a lot of the new guys. Those are the top two. I mean, Ariza, aren't we all looking at the punk guy, see what he does? I want to see a punk go 80 yards. I've never seen that before. So, um, I think Cook and Miller are my number one and number two. Let me throw this to you. I got a, I got a question that I want to spend a few minutes on. But you mentioned Ariza, so let's go there first. What are your thoughts on kicker battles? Like, some people get really up. Like, I'm super excited to just watch Joe Piscalia's face when yeah. he gets to see all those punks kick. He lights up like a kid at Christmas. For me... I don't want to spend any time on special teams. It's just, I don't know, it's just, it's my vibe. Are you going into this like, this is really important to me as a Bills fan, I want to see how this thing transpires. Well, specifically with, with Areza, the thing that interests me is, have the Bills decided they don't need a super accurate coffin corner punter, they really only need a guy that will bomb at 80 yards because, you know, as teams get more and more aggressive, Punters have punted a lot less. Like, why would we punt from the 44 yard line? Why would we punt from the 50? But when you're back up at the, your own 18, right, well, now we need a punter. And I don't want the guy that can put it 45 yards. I need the guy that can put it 60. So I, I have hoped deep down that that is the approach. And like the analytics team gets with the football size and says, listen, uh, we don't need a finesse puncher, we need a power puncher. And this offense isn't going to punch a lot. When it does, this defense, I'll play field position if it means a 60-yard switch instead of like a 40-yard switch. All right, let's go to the roster bubble. Okay, let's establish the bubble first of all. Off the top of your head, I'll go first and then add, add a few to you. Who is on the roster bubble right now? I, I'd start with like Cam Lewis, who I think okay. is like a really good cornerback. Obviously, you you be Brad. I'm not biased at all. But I like him, right? He's a good player. He's, he's firmly on the roster bubble, though, because of the fact they just drafted a first-round um, quarterback. Now, let me ask you, who do you, who's another name that you have? And is there a name that you might have that people are maybe might be a little bit surprised about? My first two names, I, I tend to always just be obsessed with the offense. I say Taylor Austin is a very bubble for me. And Duke Johnson's another one because I carry more than three running backs, right? And that's Singletary Cook and Moss offers them something different. Duke Johnson might have been an insurance policy that didn't get the kind of back they wanted. Tavon Austin, I don't want to roster that guy just to return kicks. I've got plenty of faith in Isaiah McKenzie to do that. He was fine. He had a fumble. It happens. So whether it's McKenzie or Mark West Stevenson, there's another one. The bubble. Like fifth round pick, just draft a replacement fifth round receiver that's probably more versatile, more useful in offense like this. Um, past that, like 
I don't know. I, I think the roster is, and you would know this, like you're, if you were to put down one for 53 or 53 men roster, you probably feel like you could get 51 pretty confidently. Maybe you call 53, right? Like, there could be a couple surprises. But, I mean, what, like DeMar Hamlin? Like, how, how deep are we going into the secondary to have this conversation about, like, who's on the bubble? I guess the other one, Tommy Sweeney, he's been around for a while. How many tight ends are they going to watch? They only dress one every week. They might be prepared for dress two. So I think the depth of this team is obviously really good. And if you're looking for a surprise guy, I've heard a lot of people mention him. Some people trying to sell the idea that maybe Jameson Crowder's a bubble guy. I just do not see it. I think Jameson Crowder could finish second on the team catches. He's good. He's younger than Beasley. And, like, look at Beasley's resume before he got here. He was just pretty good. He was a guy that was respected. That's what Crowder is. And I think Crowder could be a big, big piece for this season. And while we talk about it as, like, a one-year deal to prove it, he might be proving it to the Bills. So I, I, think, I think Crowder's very safe. I'd be surprised if he's not on this team. So that's a great sub-conversation that I want to have really quickly because I started on the heels of Crowder signing not that far down the path, but that I kind of thought that they had gotten to that point without signing anybody because of the belief that I thought they had in Isaiah McKenzie to lead the slot. The more I've gotten away from that, two things have happened. Number one, I think that there might be a higher ceiling for Isaiah McKenzie in this offense than just out of the slot. Like, I think he can almost fill in to maybe that Gabriel Davis role where, where do you need me on a week-to-week basis? I'll, I'll show up there and I'll catch touchdowns. That's what Gabriel Davis has done for the past two seasons. If Isaiah McKenzie can play a little bit on the outside, I think there's a bigger role for him in this offense. In that game, Gabe Davis, we made a lot of important plays over the last two years. Also, if Crowder can be that version of, of, of elite Beasley, like at his best. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe that opens up things down the field for Stephon Diggs again. I hope so. I mean, I, I, if there's one thing this offseason they didn't get that I wanted, it was the field stretching receiver. Right. I, I was counting down the first round and it didn't fall that way. And then the way I believe they would have done it in the second round for somebody. And everybody got scooped up right before them and what they do in the second round, trade down, down, down. Somebody somebody that went before them would have fit the bill. And I, I've talked a couple times about I love the idea of Will Fuller. And he's not signed anywhere, so maybe he's not right. Something's going on there. But like, it'd be a perfect fit. I love the idea of a field stretcher. So if they get that through, you know, diversity of an offense, McKenzie, I like McKenzie a lot because he's not only important in the way that he's versatile, he's the kind of story that they like. He's the kind of story that I think McDermott likes. And, I mean, you know this, he's so, such an interesting, like, personality in there because he keeps everybody on their toes. They hate him, but they love him. Like, I'll talk to like talk about like he's a little brother. I think he's really important. And he got benched last year. I got the vibe that, that people didn't like it. But he he deserves better than that. That's that's our guy. So I love McKenzie for that. I love how they call him face of the franchise. They play it 
like they play into him the way they play into Trey uh, Trey White Goalie Academy, except that's McKenzie's entire personality. You know, it's like kind of a little bit of, a, of an inside joke. So the more he does, the better I feel because I love jet sweeps, kick returns. The game against the Patriots showed he can just be a focal point, and Brian Dable found a way to use him, and I hope Ken Dorsey can too. Up, um, Cole Beasley. Um, the Bills cut him and they cut Daryl Williams, both starters last year, both still free agents. Are you surprised that they're still free agents? And Daryl Williams is interesting because he's an idea that a lot of people kind of keep kicking around like, all right, if you get deep enough in the camp and he's still out there, do the Bills just go bring him in? If they don't like what they see out of Ryan Bates, you don't want to give a job to Tony Ford. You just call Daryl Williams up and say, hey, come in here on a one-year deal again. You like that idea? Where are you at with that? I don't mind it. I mean, Bates has a little bit of the, um, you know, Policiano showed up and played really well and was the guy. And then, ooh, that kind of soured quickly. And, you know, with Bates, same kind of thing. Bates almost has a little bit of the Gabriel Davis thing going on where it's like late in the season, he was an answer. So we should just count on him always being the answer. So on the offensive line, a lot of the metrics point to the Bills as having about an average offensive line. The football focus, you go through it. They like Dawkins, they like Morse. After that, Saffold's in the twilight, right? Like, if they had a better answer, left guard long-term, right guard long-term, that'd be great. But I, I, I'd be open to anything on the offensive line because I think they're just good, not great as well. Beasley was working out with... Um... Baker Mayfield in yeah. Texas. Baker Mayfield's now in the Panthers. They have Robbie Anderson. They got a couple receivers there. Is, does that make sense? Like, what does the future hold for Colby? I keep trying to see where he fits offensively, right? Like, I can see him going back to Dallas, like, yeah. you know, on a really, like, low deal. The problem is, I don't think he thinks he's worth a low deal. I think that's part of the reason why he's not a Bill anymore. There's other reasons, obviously. But what do you think about Cole Beasley and where he could potentially end up. You, you took it right from me. I feel the only reason he's not outside because he thinks eventually he'll get home, right? Someone will get hurt, someone will go down, something will happen, the team will identify a need and he'll get you know, twice as much as he's, as he's probably being offered right now. You know, the Bills offered him permission to seek a trade. And when that happens, usually it means usually it means we have an offer to you that you don't like. So, okay, let's go find a better offer. And he obviously didn't. And their offer either wasn't good enough or they said, you know, never mind, we're not interested anymore. So, I, he was obviously really important to Josh Allen's development. Huge part of this team the last three years. And you know, that's the brutal part, I guess, of the business. It's like, you're family until... Well, it's been fun. You know, we're, we're going to move on. I mean, we can kind of go down a rabbit hole here. That's a very interesting conversation. Because I think, like, your, your family, as long as you're bought in to what the family is working at. Yeah. And I think there were some things that happened last year that could make the argument that he maybe wasn't as bought in as he needed to be. Andrew Wiggins came, and we're not going to get into the vaccination sure. stuff, but, like, Andrew Wiggins came out this week and said, hey, I really, I got vaccinated to be a good team player. And went on to have the best season of his career, won a championship. Did it for the team, right? If he had to do over again, he said, I wouldn't have gotten vaccinated. But 
look at what happened because he made a selfless decision. And I think, especially in football, that plays in the room. For sure. Ryan Tannehill's another one said he only did it for the team. And that's probably, you know, it, it, right, the conversation gets a lot bigger, but... I mean, if you're a football coach and a guy won't do something stupid, we think it's stupid for the team. The only way it's looked at is, is it for the team. I'll take you back in time to when, I don't know if this is a direct quote, there was a story about, you know, Doug Whaley, would you cut a guy that did this? Would you cut a guy that did that? And one of them might have been a story, like, what a Jeter's teammates steal his glove? And Whaley talked about that as like, he talked about that. It's like the worst thing you can do is something against the team. That's it's worse than you know getting arrested for whatever that might be. And I think a lot of football people think that. Way. So I only have half that story in my head. It was like ten years ago. We asked him, and he, he, he really focused in on if you do something to hurt the team, we got a problem. And that kind of gets to what you're getting. At. Less than 48 hours. We're going to be in uh, Pittsburgh, New York. I never thought I'd be this excited to get back to Rochester, but to not have it for two years, it's been tough, man. Like, I, I love that environment. Um, everybody's, like, really relaxed. Even though it's, you know, the competitive players are flowing and it's that part of the year, it's a good time to hang out. Um, garbage plates. i got to ask you about that before you go. It's been a hot topic. I am, first of all, I've never had one. I think I had one at University Hots right up right near UB. That's not really a garbage plate though. Like you can't really count that. Are you team garbage plate or are you like, no thank you? I'll eat it. I'll eat anything once. Anything once. I had a garbage plate. I would encourage anybody to do it. It does not count anywhere else. Uh, so sure, we're team garbage plate. Yeah. What I gotta ask you about is we're gonna ask, so when we start camp, we'll have a bunch of the players come on our show. And we're asking one question of every player this year because it's a very important question. You can ask this question, your wife asks the You walk into a room, it's too cold in that room, like a room like this, right? Here in resurgence. It's too cold. You say to the person in charge, hey, and you turn the air conditioning. What do you say? It's too cold. Please turn the air conditioning down. Right. It's down. There was a poll on Twitter. 50-50, up or down. And 50% of the people said that scenario, you say turn the air conditioning up. Like the, thir the thermostat? Uh, Insane people, right? <laughs> We're going to find out which Bills players say up and which say down. That's one of the things I can't wait for. Just find out which Bills players are nuts. That's awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait to hang out with you in Rochester. Thank you so much for doing this, my friend. Thanks for having me. All right. All right, we're going to move right along. That is Jeremy White from WGR 550. You can listen to him every weekday morning, 6 to 10, on WGR 550 with Howard Simon. Uh, we're going to go to, yeah, we're bringing you right back on, big fellow. Uh, Ryan Talbot and John Scott. Let them get comfortable here, and they'll take you through the, uh, the next portion. Go right there. Now, here's the rules. You're going to be talking with Ryan. No funny business, all right? And you're going to talk in that one and this one. So if you guys can do the handoff or he'll hold it, we'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. Can you 
turn that light down a little bit? We are joined here by John Scott of Spectrum TV. I don't think it's working. That's not I'm not hearing you on the speaker. Yeah, it's true. I'm not hearing on the speaker right now. What's that? Yes, okay. All right, now we're good to go, John. All right, I am joined by John Scott of Spectrum TV. John, training camp is about to get ramped up here on Sunday. How about you talk a little bit about uh, how, as a, you know, someone on the beat, how do you kind of uh, relax before you can go into the storm? I just returned this week from like three or four weeks of vacation and spent a week with my wife celebrating our anniversary in Jamaica. Piggyback that with three days of a bachelor party for a high school friend, and um, oddly enough, I was actually ready to get back to work and have some structure in my life because it was getting a little messy towards the end. You know, before we get into the, the Bills topics, let's talk a little bit about dorm life. How, how do you like? Is it almost like uh, going back to college for you when you're in the dorms? So, interestingly enough, I just celebrated my 15-year college reunion. That was in June, and me and some of my old roommates actually stayed in a dorm in our, an old apartment of mine on campus. So I, I kind of got like a little early tease of what it's like to get back because we've been gone for so many years. For me, I'm pretty simplistic. I don't, I don't bring the TV, I don't bring the microwave, I don't, I don't do that. Um, I'm like, I don't really spend a whole lot of room or time lounging or relaxing in the room. It's work and then I go elsewhere for play. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, it has, it has some charm. And more than anything, it's just wildly convenient to, for our job to, especially the morning practices, not have to get up and crack down and get a drive. I do think if they still sell posters at like Target, maybe I should throw back to my college days and try to find like a stealth bomber or Kangaroo Junior poster and hang it up for nostalgia purposes. I like that idea. Yeah, growing up for me, it was the blacklight posters. You can't find those anywhere anymore. So Bill's training camp, the star power this year is absolutely through the roof. Obviously, Josh Allen's coming back. Stefan Diggs, first time at St. John Fisher University, and Von Miller among the, the big names. But let's focus in on Josh Allen, MVP favorite of the Super Bowl favorite entering this season. What does a jump for Josh Allen look like in 2022? Because these last two years, I feel like he's been good enough to get the job done, but what would a jump look like for him? Last year kind of went as I expected because the year before was so the year before was such a such a miraculous season. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm really never seen before that I always thought he'd take a step back, but it wouldn't be like he's a different bad player. Just maybe statistically it, it wouldn't be the same. This year if he's gonna take that MVP, we're the best team in the league, I'm the best quarterback in the league jump. I think, especially with 17 games, what are we talking, 5,000 yards? Um, 
40 plus touchdown throws, um, maybe, you know, his usual rushing numbers, things like that. I mean, I think if we're talking taking a step forward, that's what it would look like. I tend to think he doesn't need to take really much of a step forward for this team to accomplish being a Super Bowl champion. I think Josh Allen continues to be the player he has been. He hasn't made a whole lot of mistakes. His efficiency has been pretty good. If he just continues almost on the same path, playing trajectory that he's been on, they can accomplish everything they want, and he still could in the MVP league. Yeah, I, I think that's perfectly said. You know, Matt and I were doing an earlier segment. I said, I feel like the last two years, Josh Allen has the issue. He's the, he got the Bills the lead in that game against the Chiefs with 13 seconds to go, and then you talk about the prevent defense and the issues that took place there. It, it hasn't been a Josh Allen issue. Uh, I, I agree, 5,000 yards. I, I think getting down, avoiding hits is something big that he needs to do because it is great as he is, as strong as he is, you're one hit away from missing some time, and that can hurt this Bills team being such an important year. The only area I would say that he has to work on a little bit, and it's in its minimal, would be the interception total. 15 last year over the course of the season was uh, kind of a high amount. So let's transition from Josh Allen. Let's talk about this roster as a whole, offense, defense. Based on the draft and free agency this year, John, which returning player is going to benefit the most from one of the Bills' new additions? Well, it should and better be Greg Rousseau. That's who it should be. All the attention defenses now are going to be forced to pay to Von Miller on the other side. That, along with Miller's talents, but now the way opposing teams are going to have to scheme him should free one-on-one opportunities for Greg Rousseau or a guy like Ricky Basham or Adrian Pass, whoever's on the other side. And they have to take advantage of that. They have to win one-on-ones. Sean McDermott usually doesn't get the straightforward answers. This spring, he was cut and dry. Gregory Rousseau, Boogie Bash, AJ Epinesa must take steps forward and be more consistently productive for us to be successful in the pass rush. That's out of character for Sean. And it wasn't a false statement. He just usually isn't that open and honest when asked a direct question. So to me, it's very telling. And so the hope and the need is that Gregory Rousseau, more so than Boogie Bash and AJ Epinesa, because he'll likely get the most opportunities to play opposite of Von Miller, he's the one that should benefit the most. He also is the one who has shown the most in the limited amount of time on that young trio of Yeah, I think Greg Rousseau is an excellent choice, and I always look for that leap from first year to second year players because usually as a rookie, you don't have an entire offseason to train to get your body ready for the rigors of the NFL, and at the end of this season, I'm sure the Bills said, hey, you need to work on A, B, and C, and whatever those three things may be, he's had an entire offseason to work on that game, that part, building the strength, working on the pass rush moves, whatever it may be. And if it's not Greg Rousseau, I'm going to go with Ed Oliver. And, and John, I thought Ed Oliver was pretty solid last year. I thought he had a really nice season. I thought he was one of the better players on that defense. But now you added Brian Jones next to him. A, a true one tech that can take on those double teams. Something that Ed Oliver faced a lot of last year and was still productive. 
And if it's not Daquan Jones, it's Tim Settle Jr. It's a returning Jordan Phillips. And then you have Von Miller, you have Greg Rousseau. I think this is a great opportunity for a player like Ed Oliver to really break out this year. And as good as the Bills defense has been over the past few years, the pass rush has actually, they've done it in spite of the pass rush. It has not been at the level that I think it has needed to be, and that could have been something that pushed them over the top. Look at the teams that have won the Super Bowl, that have made the Super Bowl. By and large, of late, the success is because they're able to get to the quarterback, take him down without blitzing. The front four is the, are the guys that are getting to the quarterback, affecting the quarterback. And I think the large amount of turnover and new additions to the defensive line as a whole is a clear indication that Brandon Bean and Bills identified that after last season as good as it was and said, we got some good pieces here. We need to add more. Retool a bit at the big fish in Von Miller and, and see if that push already top-line defense even farther. Yeah, well said. Shifting over to the offensive side of the ball, the, the Bills draft James Cook, they signed Duke Johnson in free agency, and they obviously already have some talent in that room. Going into the season, is Devin Singletary the unquestioned number one running back on this team? Absolutely. I think he's wildly underrated, to be honest with you. I think he had a very good rookie season. He had a down second season. And then last year, when given the ample opportunities at the end of the year, he proved that he could be a lead back. And a lead back this offense is not what a lead back's going to be in other offenses. He's not going to be Jonathan Taylor. He doesn't need to be that I'm asking him to be. You think I had been and also repeating over the past few years is the Bills don't need to run the ball more. They need to run the ball more effectively. And they happen to run the ball more with an individual player rather than dispersing between he and Moss and whoever the back end. And it proved to work. And I think Devin Singletary has shown it up the end of last season. And again, I'd say in totality, it is three years with the Bills. Then with the guys they have on this roster, he's the best lead back. Now, James Cook, He's a rookie. There's a lot of hype. He has the talent. But even Brandon Bean indicated he's probably more suited as a, a pass catcher for us out of the gate. He'll get carries to keep defenses honest. But you really know what his role is going to be on this team. I'm not ready to cast away Zach Moss. I think it will be an interesting battle between Andrew Johnson for maybe rounding out the running back room. But I think it's Devin Singletary as the bell pound of sword for this running attack, which, again, they don't need to run it more, but I think it would be maybe more of a blend of what you saw back in the past season. You know, you go back to last year, and from about week 13, week 14 on, Singletary had 78 total yards, uh, you know, rushing, receiving in every game, going all the way through wildcard weekend. So to your point, he really stepped up, and maybe it's not so much the fact that he stepped up, that it's that the offensive line was meshing a little bit more at that point. And you can look at Aaron Cromer coming in, Roger Saffold coming in. If this offensive line takes the next step under Cromer with these new additions, I, I think that Singletary could have his best year yet. And as for James Cook, you mentioned talents there. He might be a pass catching bat. To your point, when it comes to Brandon Bean, Sean, and especially Sean McDermott, 
he doesn't necessarily rush rookies onto the field unless there's an absolute need there, like Travis White or Tremaine Edmonds. However, as the season goes on, do you see Cook getting a bigger role? I think it'll be a combination of he gets more comfortable with, with the game, and I think it'll also be dependent upon Ken Dorsey's evolution as an offensive coordinator and as a play caller. And Dorsey has indicated that while not a lot is going to change from the way he does things from what Brian David did, since it's, it's really impossible to know what you have at your disposal until a month or so into the season. That'll give Cook all of camp early portion of this season to, to get an idea. I think maybe they'll get a better idea of how they can utilize him as a runner. I don't think it's – while he's being billed as a pass-catching running back, I don't think that's all that he can do. We'll get a better idea, again, maybe four or five-plus games into the season – if he could be more than that. And if he starts getting some carries, popping off some runs, and just looks like, hey, maybe this is a better weapon to have the field on a regular basis over Devin Singletary, then maybe I'm not discounting it could be something where it maybe the scale flips a little bit as the season goes on. But I think it would take a lot for Devin Singletary to, to not at least be in a 1A, 1B um, type of situation. Yeah, I agree with that. The one good thing about James Cook is he came out of rotation at Georgia. So this is not a player that has a lot of tread off the tires, so to speak. He's going to have those fresh legs. You know, you mentioned Zach Moss earlier. I, I think a lot of Bills fans have kind of almost written off Zach Moss. Brandon Bean mentioned last year that Moss was coming off of a serious injury. He couldn't really cut in a certain direction. So... What kind of role do you envision Moss possibly having? Is he a lot to make this roster, or is he going to be battling a guy like Duke Johnson? Because we know the Bills love carrying Reggie Gilliam, that fullback, tight end hybrid. They love Taiwan Jones for his special teams ability. So it feels like almost an odd man out situation. It doesn't come down to Moss versus Johnson, uh, in your opinion. And what do you think of Moss's chances this year? I put out my pre-training camp 53-man roster projection this afternoon, and I have Zach Moss making the team. I, I think it comes down to him and Duke Johnson. As I mentioned, Devin Singletary didn't have a great training season, and a lot of people said similar type conversations about him this time a year ago, that the Bills needed another running back. Zach Moss is now the lead guy. Devin Singletary just is, is not, not looking out. And then Singletary ultimately bounced back and had a solid season. And look at the conversation we're having now about him. The Bills highly value their draft picks. And they're also a very patient regime. The third running back in this team is not even going to be active on game day. It'll be Singletary, Cook, Tyron Jones, and Reggie Gilbert. That's the way I, I see it. Injuries happen. That's when the third one comes out. Now, what could be interesting is... Duke Johnson is billed when he was signed as like the backup player for J.D. McKissick as a pass catcher. But in Miami at the end of last season, he did very little pass catching and actually was a very proficient and effective runner. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Johnson could push Moss 
and beat him out. But I also think there's something to be said with the uncertainty of the contract situation beyond this season with Devin Singletary. The Bills would just like to know and have someone on their roster to pair with James Cook in 2023. And with Zach Moss, it's a chief running back that they drafted that isn't worth it for the third guy that's never really going to play to get rid of him after just a down second season. So that's why I think he has to show things in camp. He just isn't going to skate his way through. But I think it's going to be harder than maybe some people think for the Bills just to cast him off and end Yeah, again, well said. Duke Johnson averaged over four yards per carry in Miami last year, to your point. Uh, was a pass-catching back for most of his career with the Houston Texans. Uh, so certainly someone that could be an under-the-radar player, and that's kind of transitioning here to our last question. Who is one player, in your opinion, offense, defense, special teams, that you feel like the Bills are not, or Bills fans are not talking about enough right now? I don't, maybe this is cheating. Tavon Austin is the number one guy that, that I think fits this. He's someone that is the guy that I'm most intrigued to watch of anyone that's coming to camp. The instant he stepped on the field, when he was signed, I'm like, who cares? I'll be honest with you. Didn't, I'm like, this guy has not done anything. He was Austin at West Virginia, and that was an eternity ago. And then I watched him at OTA's minicamp, and he's someone that I noticed more than almost any player on the Bills offense. He was constantly making plays. It's also with Taylor's oldest time that guys make plays in helmets and shorts. They come to camp and pass them, and they cannot continue that success. So to me, an under-the-radar under guy that was at least an afterthought to me in a very crowded conversation is now at the front of the list, and I want to see if he can continue to do that once the evening. The pass come on, contact happens, and if he can, can continue to ride the wave, similar to what a guy like Jake Cooper did a year ago. Yeah, that, that's a great choice. And, and listen, he even has the inside track, in my opinion, in terms of punt returns. If, if he can show that he, he can't, he won't fumble the ball, he can be someone that this team trusts. Because Sean Dermott doesn't necessarily want someone that is going to be a threat to take it to the house every time. He wants someone that's not going to fumble the ball. That's why time and time again he's gone to the Micah Hyde, uh, you know, having him go back there. And you don't want someone that is a premier player on your defense fielding punts because one muff punt and he's taking a hit you don't want one of your star players to take. So Tavon Austin's a great choice. I'm going to go with another wide receiver. I'm going to go with Jameson Crowder. Uh, I feel like Crowder has not been talked about enough as a new addition to this team. And, and the Bills went away from the slot receiver position a little bit last year. Cole Beasley wasn't as involved as he was the year before that. But Jamison Crowder is someone who's put together a successful career to date without a lead quarterback play. You insert him into this Bills offense with Josh Allen, with Stephon Diggs on one side, Gabriel Davis on another, Dawson Knox at tight end, and all of a sudden, who's going to be paying attention to me? I'm going to have a lot of favorable matchups. And when I get the ball in my hand, to his credit, has been really good at yards after the catch of his career. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Crowder could do on this team, although I think that Isaiah McKenzie can give him a little bit of a run for his money as well. That's an interesting thing, and, and what I'll be keeping an eye on is 
do they give Isaiah McKenzie more run offensively? And how much then in turn is he involved in the turn game? Because a year ago, we kind of had similar conversations of well, Isaiah, they brought him back, he'd be more, be more involved offensively, and he wasn't at all. He very rarely got run until the New England game when injuries and COVID or whatever necessitated it. I'll be curious to see if you have a guy like Tavon Austin or if it's Mark West Stevenson or whoever. Are they the person the Bills decide is you're our return man because we want Isaiah McKenzie to be more involved? And how much does that dig into what Jameson Crowder can do? A guy that I view as almost a very similar player in terms of production as Colby's was when he came to the Bills a few years ago. And in his first year, he was a second team all pro. Yeah, I, I agree completely, John. Hey, thank you so much for joining us tonight here at Resurgence. Bills fans are going to be joined here in a minute by Matt Marino. He's about to come in here right now in the back. And Josh Reed of WIBB TV. You got a lot of microphones. You got a lot of microphones. So here's what's happening. Okay. He, these two right here, they're, they're for the audio for online. Uh, and then for the audio, that's for in-house. So I'll, I'll, I'll go back and forth. It's up to you. Are you sure? Yeah. I had a joke, but I got to remember, like, you know. Yeah. Let's give PG-13. Um, Josh Reed. That's right. Josh Reed, that's correct. Josh Reed, Channel 4, Channel 4 uh, Sports Director, our fearless leader on Buffalo Kickoff Live. Which, by the way, I don't want to call it a cheap plug, it's just a plug. Monday night, we're back in the saddle. I can't wait. Yeah, Monday night, 7.30, 7, 730 um, Buffalo Kickoff Live on Channel 4. Me, you, Heather Prusak, Tim Graham from The Athletic, South Kapatu, WGR 550, Big Bird, Cookie Monster, the whole crew. <laughs> Listen, minus that brown, that's the... Oh yeah, that. No, did you mention that? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you got, you got, you got the whole crew there. It's the, it's the all-star team. You know, it, it's... A little side note, it's been one of the really cool parts of the gig the last couple of years for me. Um, of course, of course, it's the best gear because you're hanging out with us now. The uh, yeah, it's fun. We get a chance to hit the road to all the road games. We hang out usually the night before, go out to dinner, and we talk ball. That's do you get better than that? You don't get better than that. That's what we're going to do right now. We're going to talk some ball, and I want to start with. A couple of the new wide receivers for the Bills. And I want to get your kind of thoughts on it. I heard John and Ryan talk a little bit about it. But I think Jameson Crowder is going to be one of the most talked about guys over the next month and a half when it comes to imagining what his role is going to look like and what is the potential for him in this offense. What are you going to be looking for when you take a look at him during training camp? And what do you think he can be? Yeah, first round cut. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I think no, I do. I think he's got a chance to be a nice piece of the puzzle on that side of the wall. Um, 
Actually, I don't remember the exact stat, but I heard Matty Blab talking a little bit about uh, James Crowder today on the radio. Uh, so I'm going to make sure I give her credit. His yards for the catch were a lot higher than I thought they were for his career. Actually, higher than Colby's. I thought that pretty interesting. Um, let's, let's face it, we've gotten to the point now with Josh Allen. He's going to make guys around him better. And that's what the elite passers do. They make those guys better. Jameson Crowder has found a way to make himself a nice little career in the NFL with trash quarterbacks. He's got a legit quarterback for the first time in his career. I think the best quarterback he's ever played with was Alex Smith in Washington. Other than that, it's just been a dumpster fire of QBs for him. So he's got a good quarterback for the ball now. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he's got a chance to be a nice, nice piece of the puzzle. He's not going to catch any passes. You know, I don't know that Gabriel Davis is going to catch any passes. Ooh. Yeah, I, I think that they're going to spread the ball out. I think, you know, I think James Cook's a guy that's going to catch a lot more balls than maybe. I think Dawson Knox, I don't think we've seen the ceiling of him yet. I love that point. We haven't talked a lot about Dawson Knox. And I think we cut a couple of this with the nervousness that some Bills fans have about the Bills not doing a lot of the receiver position outside of drafting Khalil Shakir, which we can talk about that. But I think you can make the argument to your point that a lot of that had to do with the belief they have in Dawson Knox. And I think having as many receivers as they had last year, trying to get the ball to Manuel Sanders, to Gabriel Davis, whenever they could, at times it took away from Dawson Knox. And I think giving him a, a larger role now, especially with O.J. Howard in the mix, to kind of play, you know, maybe line him up in line, do a little bit more in the slot with Knox, work on the outside, he can maybe really start to fulfill that maybe Travis Kelsey potential. And I'm not saying he's Kelsey, but do more of those kinds of things. I, I think I, I'm really interested to see which direction the offense goes now that Davis out there and it's Ken Dorsey's show. Don't be surprised that one of the things that we're looking at, especially early in training camp, is the Bills trying to really establish a running attack. Because don't forget, during the season when they struggled to run the ball, Sean McDermott pulled zero punches and said, you learn to run the ball and you establish a running attack in the preseason, at training camp. That's when you do those things. So don't be surprised if we see them maybe, well, let's face it, we know what Josh Allen is. We know what he's going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't look to establish more of a physical nature up front. There's a reason they brought Roger Saffold in, right, from Tennessee. He was a starting offensive lineman with one of the best throwing attacks in the NFL. I, I'm not going to be surprised if Josh Allen's pass attempts don't go down a little. I'm not saying that he's going to throw about 30 times a game this season. But I wouldn't be shocked. Let's face it, for the longevity of Josh Allen's career, it's not a terrible thing. Off the beaten path a little bit, I want to ask you, when you're talking about Sean McDermott, obviously he goes back to Carolina, he goes back to Philadelphia. You know, you worked in the Pennsylvania market. You're a Northeastern guy. If anybody knows Sean McDermott on this beat, you know, you're one of the top guys that I'd want to go talk to about him. Where are you at going into this season with the pressure coming off of last year with what happened in 13 seconds and how you expect him to respond 
more so in the playoffs, but with, with what's at stake because there are no excuses with this roster now. Yeah, all the pressure's on Sean McDermott. I mean, he knows that. And, and you can hear it all the time. Nobody puts more pressure on me than me, right? You're the players say, you're the coaches say. But Sean McDermott, the pressure is at an apex for him. Uh, not that he's going to suddenly be out of a job. His job security is very safe in Buffalo. But a lot of people aren't going to be able to get over those 13 seconds until they're playing on a Super Bowl Sunday. That's what's going to get this fan base over those 13 seconds. Win that game in the last 13 seconds. Don't lose it. Sean's got a ton of pressure because Brandon Bean has given him the keys to just an incredible roster. And basically, now it's it's yours. Here you go. And outside of injuries, there's no excuses for this team to not, to be, not be playing a Super Bowl. Now, look, if we're talking about the same type of game that was played this past year, the Chiefs game, it's the AFC Championship game, and they come up short. I'm not saying 13 seconds short again. I'm saying that whatever, something happens, they come up short. It's it's not considered a failure of the season. If that happens in the Super Bowl, it's not a failure of the season. But this team has got to go out and prove every week that they are the hammer that we think they are. So the Bills went out and they signed Von Miller to an absolutely wild contract. It's, it's the one you got to kind of open the checkbook to get a guy like this to come to Buffalo. And it's been covered, it's been talked about. Check this out. New Bills on defense. Von Miller, Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips, and Kyrie Elam. So think of so think about that for a second. They did a lot of work on the defensive line. As much as Von Miller gets a lot of the press right through the soap, that interior looks a lot different. With the work that they've done and adding now a possibly premier quarterback, it's a first-round quarterback. He hits. That's a good player. Who do you think of the returning starters on defense is going to be most positively affected by the moves that they made? Is it going to be potentially Tredavious White, who's coming off of an injury and might need some time to get to 100%? Is it going to be Poyer and Hyde, who tallied five interceptions apiece last year with a pass rush that was so-so? The pass rush now should be really good. So, who do you, is it Tremaine Edmonds? Yeah, that's what I think it is. I think it's Tremaine Edmonds. I think, I think what we're going to be asking ourselves, okay, let's just say, this is the best defensive line that Tremaine Edmonds has played behind. And, and you mentioned all those additions to the offensive line. I would argue addition by subtraction with Scarlett to the lane. Get the hell out of Buffalo because, I, you know, his time here was done. Like, it was over. See you later. God bless. But, nah, no thank you anymore. Uh, and I think we started to see some of that frustration build. Even as we were talking, Sean McDermott does a good job of playing things close to his chest. But there were a couple of times when you would hear phrases like, we want people who want to be here. We want people who want to be on the field. And he never mentioned any names, but you can kind of connect dots at certain points. But I think Jermaine Edmonds is the guy that, at the end of the year, he has a huge year, right? Let's just say he has a global type year, right? And just by far the best year of his career. Then we've got to ask ourselves, okay, 
he's going to get a huge contract. But is it because of him? Or did you have to just surround him with people to make him better? Because stars like Josh Allen make the guys around them better. I'm talking superstars. They don't need other guys to lift them up. So that's, I think, going to be kind of a dilemma, right? Now, if he goes out and has kind of the years that he's been having, which are, you know, good, great, flashes sometimes, sometimes you wish he made, as, as Leslie Frazier said, would show up and make a few more splash plays, right? But what we're going to be talking about that at the end of the season is, you know, did that defensive line in front of him turn him into a superstar? Or did he just finally hit that apex? Or did he not hit the apex at all? And is he going to be wearing a different jersey? It's interesting because, like, I think some players just, they do need the talent around them to be great. You know, LeBron James, it's a different sport. But, you know, as a Cleveland guy, for years, he just had trash around him. And it was hard to win in that environment. I think Jermaine Evans, as talented as he is, there's pieces that need to be in place for him to be completely effective. And it starts up front. And to your point, I saw the two legs. Upgrading Daquan Jones could be an absolute game changer for him. I love Daquan Jones. I covered him at Penn State. Um, you know, when I was there covering his uh, the teams and, and Happy Valley. And he's just a monster of a human being. But yeah, I think Daquan Jones makes the linebackers better. I think he's really, he's really, really going to help Ed Oliver. Because he's a, he's just a, a monster. We got Tim Settle. They've really done a nice job of kind of fixing some of the holes there. Harrison Phillips was a really nice man and, and a good person in the community. And a pretty solid player. And, and quite frankly, had by far the best year of his career. Considering all of the injuries he had to come back from and everything, he's done probably the most with his talent as you can do. That's Sean's type of guy, right? If you maximize what you are, Sean will take it. I think every day of the week. But Daquan Jones, Phillips coming back, settle, and they maximize what they can do. It's for the Harrison. I mean, these guys, are, these guys are game runners. What's your favorite part about training camp? Hanging out with you. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not changing dirty diapers for two days, leaving them for my wife. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, a lot of it is the camaraderie getting back, especially after a couple of years not going up to Fisher, uh, getting back kind of the camaraderie with the guys, the media and stuff. But man, it is awesome walking out there first thing in the morning, you know, 9 a.m., getting ready to go to whichever, you know, Sean usually speaks before practice, you're getting ready, everybody's got their coffee out there, and the fans are starting to kind of trickle in. And it's like, this is awesome. I mean, this is, this is, this is why we do this, you know, to be able to be there and kind of watch the nuances and everything and kind of see what's the new guy look like. There's always that one player in every training camp that we all, not all of us, but a lot of us will hitch our wagons up to and go. That's the difference maker this time. And most of the time it's not the case. We all remember who's the rival here every single Brandon, Brandon Rodgers, remember how great he was going to be? Yeah, he's got as many animal touchdowns as me. <laughs> Josh Reed, uh, thank you so much uh, for making some time tonight. You know, 
traveling, man. This is international, getting after it all summer long. Two kids now. I don't know how you do it all. Love you, man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, absolutely, brother. We'll see you on uh, Monday. Sunday. I'll see you at, at the bar. I'll see you. Oh, yeah. So I'll see you in 10 minutes. <laughs> and then I'll see you Sunday at camp. And then Monday on what show? Buffalo Kickoff Live. Kick there you go. Yeah, right. Wow. Very nice. Very great segment. I'll be right back with uh, Delmi and Ryan Talbot. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Bills Mafia. We, we saved some uh, Bills Mafia royalties to end the show here. We have Del Reed, one of the co-founders of the Bills Mafia. And, you know, I, I don't want to underplay the Bills Mafia, but I would say more importantly, one of the founders of 26 Shirts, who has, who has gone out and done so much for this community over the years. Uh, Dell, first of all, honored to be able to call you a friend. I've known you for quite a few years yeah. on the Bills Mafia website and even before that. So, first of all, just kind of kick us off talking a little bit about 26 Shirts and some of your latest designs. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on this podcast. I know you got some really heavy hitters. <laughs> and then here I am, like, bringing up the rear. So uh, I appreciate you being here. We're just continuing to do what we do with 26 shirts. We're doing our best to make sure that every shirt that we put out is never mailed in. We want it to be, like, the strongest design possible at the time. And we've got some real good season coming up. We've been sitting on some designs. We're very excited to this. You know, I'm part of a secret insider group that sometimes gets a little bit of a sample. So, Bills fans, you will not be disappointed. One that you did release, though, recently was the meme. Uh, so, can you talk, talk, uh, talk to Bills fans a little bit about that one? I'm sure it's something they're familiar with. Talk about how you put a Buffalo spin on it. Yeah, well, I can't take any credit for it. That is all our artist, our freelance artist, Carl Cornett, who does an amazing job. I love getting emails from him like, in the morning, randomly, like, he would drop like four or five different designs, and that was one of them, was the meme. And it was, it's, it was so ridiculous. It was so great, you know. For anybody that saw it, understood it, you know, it was probably an auto purchase. It's such a weird pitch thing with the woman yelling at the cat, and uh, anytime you can throw those shade at Patriots, you gotta take that opportunity. So, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun to do that. Right? And, uh, it's one operating for a position of strength, as you know, a Bills fan now. So, we're gonna throw a little bit more shade this year than we have in years past. I love it. Fair enough. Before we get into some specific Bills talk, Let's talk about Del Reed, Bills fan. How exciting is it going into this year knowing that the Bills are the Super Bowl favorite? This is something that, you know, Matt and I both grew up as Bills fans. This is something that we haven't been able to say since 1990, maybe even, you know, 91, obviously the Super Bowl years, 89 maybe, but I wouldn't say favorites, but it, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, it feels amazing. And the only thing that I try to remind myself, and I'll tweet about it sometimes, because it's in my mind, I want to get it out. You know, let's not look so much towards like winning 
the Super Bowl this year, which I think we have a good shot at it. I'm not unique in that thought, but let's not spend so much energy worrying about that. Let's just enjoy the moment. Like right now, the Buffalo Bills are the pretty much consensus number one choice to win the Super Bowl. Like, let's just enjoy that right now. And, you know, whatever's going to happen in the next few months is going to happen, but like, let's not spend so much time thinking about how it's going to end so that we don't really enjoy the ride. You know, that, that's really well said because, like you mentioned, let, let's enjoy this if you're a Bills fan. We've gone through a 17-year drought. We, whether you're covering the team, whether you were a fan of the team, there was some pretty bad quarterback play. There was some pretty bad coaching over those years. So to see all these superstars come together on this Buffalo roster, uh, it, it really kind of, it's an exciting moment for this city, for this franchise. And, and speaking of superstars, now, Josh Allen. We know that he is the class of the AFC. So, uh, a two-part question here. In the AFC East this year, Josh Allen, number one, how would you rank the rest of the quarterbacks in this division? And, and hypothetically, because it doesn't usually work out this way, five years from now, all of these quarterbacks remain in the division. How would you re-rank them? All right, so we'll start with this one. Yeah, Josh Allen, number one, like you said. Can I say he's losing number two? Is that not tough? I love it. I love it. Um, and then, so I guess I would go with, I guess we'll go with Tua. He's got a pretty strong receiver on the team now. He's got a good, he's got a good offensive line. So Tua, Zach Wilson, whoever the backups are in uh, New Jersey and Miami, and then the, uh, the, the back milk guy. Uh, right Interesting. You know, my order is a little bit different. I do have Allen, obviously, at the top. Uh, I'm going to give Mac Jones a little bit of credit based on his rookie year. He was accurate. He made some good throws. He didn't have the strongest receiving room. I do have him in at number two right now. Uh, I'm going to give Tua the benefit of the doubt with this receiver room that you mentioned. There's some serious talent there. Uh, obviously, Tyree Hill being the big name, but... You can look at the other receivers on this roster. You can look at Mike Gusecki at tight end. They had some talent there, and now it's up to Tua to take that next step. I'm Zach Wilson at number four, which is interesting because we'll talk about five years from now. I actually have him as high as number two five years from now because of that physical skill set, but I saw so many mistakes from him last year. I saw uh, one play that comes to mind is he was rolling out for what seemed like forever against the Bills, and he didn't throw it away. He took a sack where they lost 15 to 17 yards on a play like that. So while I think the physical talent is there, the attributes are there, I need to see him take that next step before I can move him from forward. But let, let's fast forward then. Five years from now, re-rank those quarterbacks. So I'm going to go with Zach Wilson, number two. Uh, Tua, and then whoever's starting from New England. Jones will not be starting from New England in the finals. I mean, really, like, are the Patriots really going to have Matt Jones as a quarterback in that franchise for six, I can't see it, seven years? I can't see it. And that's fair. And, you know, listen, New England, though, I think a little bit of that shine has been lost. Obviously, Tom Brady leaves and you start to see some holes in their game. You talk about free agency this year. You, you had Matthew Judon out there recruiting every player alive and no one came to New England. You fast forward to the draft. 
and they take uh, both strains in round one. You openly have Sean McVay, coach of the Super Bowl champion Rams and the GM, Les Snead, making fun of the selection, saying, man, we thought he was going to be available round three. The Patriots seem like they're on the decline. They don't have coordinators. Bill Belichick, you know, it, it's been a little bit rough for him, so I think that's a valid point. Five years from now, I said Zach Wilson at number two behind Josh Allen, obviously. Um, I still, I, I'm going to go with Mac Jones and then Tua. And Tua, to your point, where you said, I don't see Mac Jones being part of that equation. I don't see Tua being part of the equation in Miami. They've already tried to trade for Deshaun. They had already tried to trade for Tom Brady, make him part owner. So the writing's kind of on the wall there where you've already tried to move on from your quarterbacks. And, you know, speaking of moving on, let's do some more power ranking. The Bills have some pretty good home games this year. If you were to look at their schedule right now, you can power rank top three or top five home games that the Bills Mafia, in your opinion, must attend. They've never won in Buffalo, and extra nugget, Sean McDermott has never lost after the bye week as Bills head coach, and they play the Packers post bye. Okay, so analytics are important, so that's a win. And then um, I think the Browns game as well, too. It's a, a regional rival. I mean, who knows who's going to be playing at that point, whether it's Watson, you know, how long he's suspended, how long he's suspended for, um, Josh Rosen. And who knows who it's going to be. So but that'll be fun. It's always, you know, for some reason, I feel like the Browns always get the build for a hard time. So that'll be a good game as well. Yeah, I agree with those top three teams. I have the Packers at number one. Primetime game, Sunday night matchup. Uh, Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Allen. That is just a, a, a dream for a network to be able to have a matchup like that. So for, for me, that's number one. Number two would be the Titans, as you mentioned. They've been a thorn in the side. The Bills get them as their home opener. The stadium's going to be rocking in that game. Uh, the Titans have obviously lost a little bit, trading A.J. Brown. They're depending on some young players, depending on Robert Woods, a familiar Bills uh, name from, from the past to kind of step up this year. And then I agree with the Browns for number three. I'll throw in a number four with the Minnesota Vikings. I'm really excited to see Stephon Diggs go against his former team. Justin Jefferson come in as well, who was the player that the Vikings were able to acquire uh, with that pick that they acquired from the Bills. Yeah, I, I, for me, I don't know if I can go number four. I'd probably go with the Jets because it's easy win. Figure it out. But easy wins are certainly good. Let's get on to one more topic. Puntapalooza. Everyone loves punters, I'm sure. So the Bills went out and they actually drafted someone that had a lot of hype going into the draft, the punt guy, Matt Arisa. And they have talk there already from last year, up and down year, more downs than ups by sure. Is this a legitimate competition first and foremost? 
is the aspect of holding more important than maybe some Bills fans think? Because I think a lot of fans do not think of this as much of a competition. Well, I'll start with the second part. Holding is incredibly offseason from the holding perspective. We all know that he has a big leg, 70, 80 yard punts in his collegiate career. So I think that this competition is going to be one of them that ends sooner rather than later. Del Reed, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Always a pleasure. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We'll be closing here with Matt Perino coming in now. All right, so the marathon is over. A shout at Buffalo Football Podcast from Resurgence in the books. We have Jeremy White, Josh Reed, John Scott, and now we finished up with Dal Reed. Uh, good to meet up there. Ryan, thank you for coming out. Let everybody know when you're going to be out of training camp because we got uh, quite a schedule in our week. Yeah, so you can find me at training camp July 29th and July 30th, and then I'll be back August 7th. I'm going to be some uh, doing some duty for Matt Perino on that day, and you'll find me at the stadium on August 5th for return of the blue and red. All right, for Ryan Taylor, I am Matt Perino. We will see you on Sunday, the first training camp back in Pittsburgh, post-practice live. Shout a Buffalo Football Podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.